Hello, and welcome back to the Shaped Ideas Podcast. This is the third episode. Um, thank you for joining me. My name is Sam, and we've got a couple of things that we're going to talk about today. Um, the la- in the last episode, uh, I said that I was going to talk a little bit about the UFC and some MMA talk, and I ended up just totally forgetting it. I got lost in, in what I was talking about with other sports and stuff, so I um, we're going to make that the first topic that we're going to talk about along with the Olympics being postponed that uh, was announced last night uh, Japan time so we'll, we'll go over that and, and what's going to happen going forward we're also going to talk some business news and some stock news yesterday was the um, I believe it was the best day it was crazy it was the best day uh, for the stocks for the stock market the Dow Jones in since the uh, since 1933 uh, coming out of the market crash so that is pretty insane uh, we'll go over that and then I've got a, a Bloomberg article about what is going on in Italy and uh, I thought it was very a very impactful article and I want to kind of dissect it a little bit and uh, just give you a rundown and maybe kind of change your perspective on what's what's actually going on in Italy so uh, without further ado let's jump right into it so uh, let me jump into it here we go so I found this article on MMA Junkie and it's uh, titled Dana White plans to resume full schedule after UFC 249 potentially host weekday fights for postponed events so the lead up to this fight UFC 249 has been an arduous one. It's on April 18th, and it's been a very arduous one because this fight, uh, specifically between Habib Nurmagomedov and uh, Tony Ferguson, have been in the works forever. I think this is the fifth time they've uh, tried to get this fight to work out, and they've all fall, fallen through. So I think Dana White's got a little bit of um, a little bit a little bit of vindictiveness to make sure that this goes through, not just for the fans, but also because he knows he's going to make a lot of money off of it. Um, so he has said multiple times that that is definitely going to happen. Um, he's postponed. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how many he's postponed. He's postponed a couple, and he, I believe, it will be two. Because it's these two weekends before the fight, before 249, that got postponed. And then I'm guessing maybe the one after that, after 249, all got postponed. But this one for sure was going to stay up. So he's postponed a couple. And then he said for sure this is this is going to happen. I don't care what I have to do. Um, Nevada said that they won't let us do it. And I said F off. And I, I think what's going to end up happening is it's going to be... In maybe it'll say in this article, but I remember him saying that what's gonna happen is they'll probably play it in their Apex Arena, and just have it live through there without without any people in it, so only the the essential people. So that's uh, some great news, especially for me and like other fight fans is. That we've been, not only have we been just clamoring for this fight. I mean, I've been looking forward to this fight like all year. And a little bit of last year. Pretty much ever since it got announced, I've been I've been really excited about it. So, I am so happy that it's gonna, I'm so happy that it's gonna stay on. The other thing that kind of makes me happy too is that they're, that they're thinking about keeping the schedule just on its normal on its normal routine going forward after that and I think that's a good idea um, I believe it was uh, President Trump said that he wanted things to come back to normal and the economy to start back up um, Easter weekend which is April I believe April 12th or something like that so he wants things to start opening back up by then and I think that we can do that we'll see I'm gonna look at the numbers uh, we'll actually look at the numbers a little bit today so we can kind of decide for ourselves on what's going to happen. So, all right. 
So in this article, let's see, just to kind of get, get a little bit of a better idea of what's going on uh, going forward. Uh, as far as the company's next event, UFC 249, which is a little over three weeks away, the promotion has yet to pin down a location for the card as the company was forced to move from the original location of Brooklyn, New York. Oh yeah, so so New York is completely shut down there. I believe their governor Cuomo said that they it's a total state lockdown, um, and they got kicked out uh, well before that. They I shouldn't really say kicked out. They just basically said, "Hey, we're we're going to be shutting everything down. Things are getting bad, so we're just not going to let you have this fight here." So they got kicked out, and then shortly after that, Vegas said that they're not going to allow any fights happen in the um, in any of the event centers in Las Vegas. And when you when that happens, you know things have gotten <laughs> things have gotten pretty bad. Um, but uh, back to the article, White does think he's getting Dana White does think he's getting close though. We have two to three options in the U.S. and three or four options outside the country. I'm not, uh, White said, so I'm not going to tell you everyone is on a need-to-know basis and nobody needs to know right now. There's still a few, detail, a few details that need to be worked out, but I have a lot of options. When asked if fighters, coaches, media, UFC staff, and other personnel involved in these future, future shows will get tested for COVID-19, White refused to give a definite answer. The less the media knows, the better, White said. Let me just put it to you this way. A lot of this hysteria has been driven by the media. The less the media knows, the better off it is. Oh, God, that's kind of funny. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's definitely not wrong. They will they will have a field day with anything that's going on in the UFC. If anyone tests positive in the UFC, they will flip out and, and throw a fit about Dana White wanting to push this stuff through. And I don't know if I can really fault the guy. Like, even if someone does test positive in the UFC, it's unfortunate. And I don't want that to happen to anybody. But, I mean, some stuff has to go on. We are going stir crazy. Like, people who are the most ardent supporters of of like things getting shut down that I've talked to are like done. They're done with it. They don't want to be in their house anymore. So I think it's, I think it's totally justified for Dana White to kind of, and I know he's doing this more because he wants to make that money, but it is appreciative to the fans that he's trying to have some semblance of normalcy in our lives during this like, tremendously uncertain time uh, back to the article you've known me for a very long time when my fighters and my people are with me they're getting the best medical attention they possibly get they could possibly get if they were alone uh, as compared to if they were alone or if they were if they were home or if they're working for somebody else everybody that's with me will get the best medical attention possible the less media and the public know you don't need to know it's none of your business oh my god you know if he wasn't such a douchebag sometimes Dana White is just hilarious and he's awesome. This is like old school Dana White when he was smacking fools around and, and yelling at fighters and, and getting into arguments at bars and shit. He, or I guess not at bars, but um, just getting into arguments with people. This is like old, old school Dana White from when the UFC was just up and coming. That's what we're seeing right now. Uh, back to the article, Dana White is not a proponent of a lengthy lockdown, as many experts and government officials have suggested in response to the continued coronavirus outbreak, he believes there needs to be a different approach to the pandemic. How long are we going to do this, he said. How long are we going to stay in our houses and hide? If the coronavirus is going to get me, then so be it. It is what it is. Heart disease, car accidents, cancer, the list goes on and on. All these things can kill people every day. I think people are slowly starting to understand that. I think, and I heard this on, um, a morning show that I listened to and what level of risk are people willing to live with and I think that's I think people are slowly starting to feel that way about this and I'll touch base with this a little bit uh, at the end of at the end of this podcast with that Bloomberg article about Italy but 
we all live with risk in our life, whether it's we choose to drive to work in rush hour, we uh, decide to eat food that's bad for us, or we decide to smoke, or we decide not to smoke. Like there's, we have tons of decisions that that carry risk. Um, and I think people are, are slowly starting to think after being cooped up in their house for a week and a half, going on two weeks, some even more, people are starting to realize, okay, what level of risk am I willing to incur to go back to the way things were or to just kind of have a little bit of, of how things were? Because being cooped up in your house is no way to live and people are really starting to go stir crazy. So, back to the article. Uh, one thing is guaranteed. We're all going to die for something. You can't be somebody that's going to hide in your house for month, for months. Uh, you're going to hide in your... You're going to hide, hide in your... Oh my god. Wow. Alright, so we're going to restart that. Let me get another sip of coffee. Uh, third episode same trashy host one thing is guaranteed we're all going to die for something you can't be somebody that's going to hide in your house for months you're going to hide in your house for months for what no way to be honest with you if this goes on for months i have a great house to be locked up in man my house was built for my house was built for quarantine we're having a blast over there i'm spending incredible time with my kids and family i'm doing two three a day workouts over here we're doing the things that we haven't done with the kids since they were little. I can do this forever if that's what everybody wants to do. But is that what but is that what we're going to do? Since when do Americans run and hide in their freaking house? And I know for a fact he didn't say freaking. But they just kind of put that in there to make it a little more friendly. Uh, hide in their freaking house instead of taking this thing head on and finding solutions. You find solutions on how to live your life protect the people that need to be protected. I don't think I'm a high risk guy for this thing. And if I'm wrong, then the corona then the corona is going to get me and it is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. I'm not going to refuse to live my life. I'm not going to hide. And that's the end of the article and I I like his take and I like his stance and I agree with him wholeheartedly about what's going on and how this is being uh, treated and, and handled. Um, not so much on the political level, but just how this is being treated and handled on the, on the level for people. I think he's got a better outlook about what's going on than most people do. And I think, yeah, people can make that argument that, well, he's got a lot of money, so he, he doesn't really have to worry about anything. I don't, in this, I don't think it matters. Like, he, he talked about playing with his kids and, and, and working out a lot and, and all that. That's stuff that any person can do. Like I'm I'm slowly working back into my workout routine where I'm working two two times a day. I mean it's kinda nice working from home. I get to go on runs over over my lunch break outside. So it's I think I think this has brought people closer and doing things that are more old school that are a lot of fun. Like I like my wife and I just spent last night playing cards and like card games like we played uno and sorry and so i i think uh i think that people are kind of blowing this out of proportion and and looking at it incorrectly at times and i like the stance that dana white has so I think he looks at both sides and like, well, I want to live my life and I want to go forward and I want to push forward and I want to do all these things. But if, if this is really what's going to happen, well, then God dang it, I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to have fun with my kids and I'm going to work out a lot and, and I'm going to do all, all kinds of stuff with them. So I think he's got, um, I think he's got the right mindset about it. All right, let's swivel over to, um, that's kind of all I want to talk about with, with the UFC. Uh, a lot of, I guess I really should just say UFC talk for this one rather than MMA talk because there's not really a lot going on around the MMA world at the moment. Bellator has been postponed or canceled. Um, what else? There's a ton of upcoming events. So the UFC event um, that was on ESPN with uh, Francis Ngannou that got postponed. Um, a couple of LFA fights with a Legion, um, Legion's Fighting Association. 
I should know because I I went my bachelor party was um, part of my bachelor party was going to an LFA event at <laughs> at the Mystic Lake, so I should know what LFA stands for, but it's completely escaped me. Um, but so UFC on ESPN eight uh, in a couple days that got postponed. Uh, two LFAs got postponed. Uh, WXC eighty seven got postponed. Uh, UFC on ESPN plus thirty. God, they gotta come up with better names. UFC on ESPN eight. UFC on UFC on ESPN plus thirty. Can they just do like? There's got to be a better one. That's so confusing. But so yeah, so those two got canceled as well, or not canceled, postponed. So a lot of stuff is getting postponed. So there's not a lot of news coming out of the MMA world, other than the fact that UFC 249 is gonna stay on, and that Dana White is getting a little more aggressive about getting these these fights to stay uh, continuing. So uh, we'll swivel over to the. Olympics. Um, so last night, it, and I'm reading a Japan Times article. Uh, it's official. Tokyo Olympics delayed until 2021 due to coronavirus. Man, I have to tell you, I'm not a coffee snob, but sometimes I can be. But right now, I am not being a coffee snob because I got this Folgers blend and everyone always likes to poo-poo on Folgers but man this stuff if you brew it right it's not too bad all right anyway um, in the article we'll start right at the beginning in a stunning but foreshadowing move Prime Minister Shinzo Abe announced late Tuesday night that Japan had reached an agreement with International Olympic Committee Chief Thomas Bach for the Tokyo Olympic and Paralympic Games to be postponed until next summer at the latest as the coronavirus pandemic continues to unfold. Shinzo Abe uh, said he had reconfirmed with Bach that the Games would not be canceled and that the two had agreed 100% to hold the Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics by the summer of 2021 at the latest. The announcement which came after Abe's call with Bach, Tokyo Tokyo Governor Yuriko Koike, and I apologize on these names, I'm probably butchering them. Tokyo, uh, so Governor Yuriko Koike, Koike, I believe is how you say it. Tokyo 2020 Organizing Committee President Yoshiro Mori and Olympics Minister Seiko Hashimoto means the games will be postponed for the first time ever during peacetime. Oh, wow. So um, the Olympics must have been postponed at some point during the war. I'm guessing that was during the uh, probably World War One. I, I think. I think that was the last time. I wonder. Let's take a look real quick. Olympics postponed. I know when I was looking up this this article, I was getting. I think a lot of people were. I look up. I looked up Olympics postponed, and the first thing that came up in Google was Olympics postponed in history. So let's take a look. Uh, it's not the first time the games have been postponed. Let's see. This is an article from the Independent. Um, let's see. Just give me. Just give me the answers. Okay. It's not the first time the games have been postponed. However, 1916 Summer Olympics in Berlin. Uh, but were canceled. Okay, so the 1916 Olympics were due to be held in Berlin, but were canceled due to the outbreak of World War One. 1940, the Summer and Winter Olympics, Tokyo and Helsinki. Um, I believe Helsinki is in, what is that, Norway, Sweden? Something over there. Um, the decision to postpone Tokyo 2020 is a cruel irony as the Japanese hosts have been here before. Oh, no way. Tokyo beat Barcelona, Rome, and Helsinki to become the first non-Western city to stage the Olympics in 1940, but were eventually forfeited after the outbreak of the Second Sino-Japanese War. What? I gotta read about that war. I've never even heard of that one. Helsinki was then awarded the Games before the Second World War saw both the summer and winter editions canceled. Oh, that is a bummer. Tokyo and Sapporo in 64 and 72, respectively, later hosted Summer and Winter Games. The 1944 
Summer and Winter Olympics in London. Okay, so that's World War II as well. 1972 in Munich, Summer Olympics. Um, let's see. The Munich Olympics were tainted by treasure. Oh, so that's just tragedy. Oh, I shouldn't say that. That sounds really bad, but they weren't postponed. They were... Um, Oh, yeah. The competition continued after a 34-hour suspension and a memorial service. So what happened in 1972 in Munich for the Summer Olympics, police officers killed five of the eight Black September members during a failed attempt to rescue the hostages. But you know what? I'm just going to read this whole thing because I'm really probably, when you're listening to this, probably sounds confusing. Uh, 1972 Summer Olympic Games in Munich. The Munich Olympics were tainted by tragedy when the Palestinian terrorist group Black September took 11 Israel team members hostage and killed them along the Western German, along with a West, West German police officer. Police killed five of the eight Black September members during a failed attempt to rescue the hostages. The other three terrorists were captured but later released in a hostage exchange following the, hijack, following the hijacking of an aircraft. Competition continued after a 34-hour suspension and a memorial service, but the remaining members of the Israel team withdrew from the games and left Munich. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Ooh, that is bad. That is, ooh, that's worse than a postponement. Oh my goodness, that is really sad. Okay, and then the last one, 1996 Summer Olympics in Atlanta. The Centennial Olympic Park bombing in Atlanta proved deadly but could have been so much worse. Security guard Richard Jewell discovered the pipe bomb and immediately notified law enforcement, allowing many people to be evacuated from the area if possible before it exploded. Spectator Alice, Alice Hawthorne was killed. 11, 111 others were wounded, and the blast caused the death of Mili Yuzanyal by heart attack. I, I totally ruined that name, I'm sorry. Eric Robert Rudolph confessed the bombing in 2003 and was sentenced to life imprisonment. That's crazy. Very crazy. Okay. So, this definitely isn't the first time that, not only Tokyo, but um, just in general, the Olympics have been postponed. So, that is very sad. Uh, uh, let's, we'll jump back to this Japan Times article about the uh, postponement. And this has been looming over the heads um, of Tokyo for a while, all of like the head, the head deal makers for this, uh, it's been looming over their heads for a while. I, I even, I think I talked about it in our first, in the first episode about the coronavirus, because Tokyo closed all their schools, um, and was doing literally everything in their power to be able to get this to continue moving forward, so... It's uh, it's very unfortunate that they did have to have to postpone it, but I think with the way that um, the West is, like the, in the Asia, the way Asia is, is looking at the moment, I don't think there was really any other way to go about it. I don't think it would have been wise to continue doing it um, at this time, not only for how things are going, but also because I just don't think it would have been as profitable or as as uh, enjoyable, not only for the spectators but also for the for the athletes, because no one wants to have to like they're already working under extreme pressure, and then to throw on the fact that they're that the whole the whole globe is coming off of a, a national or <laughs> it's a global emergency and a global pandemic. It's hard enough that they have to deal with the fact that they're playing on the global stage as one of the best in the world, but then they also have to deal with the fact that they might contract a disease during this time. Like it's, I mean, that should be the least of their worries. I always say that the Olympics is just a big um, sex fest for all these athletes. So I mean, I think catching the coronavirus may be the least of their worries on what they what they could potentially catch there. <laughs> I'm just saying, but uh, let's jump back into the article because my jokes are horrible. Uh, given the current circumstances, and this is I believe, this is Shinzo Abe, Shinzo Abe talking, uh, the Prime Minister of, Tok or, uh, of Japan. Given the, the current circumstances, I asked him to consider that the Tokyo Olympics be postponed for about a year to make sure athletes from around the world are able to perform in the best condition possible and to ensure spectator safety 
security as a whole, as a host country. And that's kind of what I just what I just outlined about um, why it was a smart idea. The prime minister also vowed to work to ensure Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics were held in a complete form as what he said would be proof that humankind has conquered the new coronavirus. Japan will fulfill its responsibilities as a host nation. Given that goal, we will be making adjustments about venues and we understand that the IOC uh, meeting will be held soon. Uh, in a joint statement, the IOC in Tokyo 2020 committee echoed Abe's stance on this. Da 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 da. -da. Okay. So that's kind of what's going on. That's what's going on in Tokyo about this whole thing. Um, it's it's very sad. I was very much looking forward to it. I'll always love the Summer Olympics. Um, they've got uh, the big thing that I like to watch is wrestling. I love watching the Olympic wrestling. It's always just uh, really fun. So it's uh, a huge bummer that, that that won't be happening right now. But I do get to look forward to it next year. And that makes me really happy uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because they said that this is going to be in full form. And two, I might have uh, I might have better accommodations by 2021. And I might be able to watch more of it. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, I think we'll... Pretty much everything that I wanted to talk about with the Olympics. This has been, this was, this was going to happen. It was just a matter of when they were finally going to announce it. So uh, let's swivel into our second segment. And that is going to be the business and news, or the business and stock news. So uh, without further ado, wow, I went way over time. I just checked. I went way over time for that first segment. So we'll have to cut uh, a little bit of it, a little bit of section two or three short. Uh, we'll see. So business and stock news. Uh, let's start with the stock market. So the stock market had a tremendous rally yesterday. Um, let me, I'm looking on market watch at the moment. Um, uh, pro tip from me to you. Uh, one of the best places to really find good market analysis and, and, and stock information is uh, Market Watch. It's probably one of the best places, especially that it's free. Well, most articles are free. There's, um, it's owned by the Wall Street Journal or the parent company of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, so the parent company owns, I believe, Market Watch, the Wall Street Journal, and Barron's. And Barron's is a, a, uh, a very heavy finance investment, um, I guess, magazine publisher. And they've got articles on here, but it's always behind a subscription paywall. But there's a lot of these. MarketWatch has full-time writers on here, too, so you can get articles for free. Just deal with the ads, you know. So I definitely uh, I definitely uh, think that if you're trying to brush up and learn more about the market and, um, like, certain stocks, that's what's kind of cool, too, is you can look up. You can look up stocks and then it'll pull up not only the stock ticker, how it's been doing, but it'll also pull up any articles that um, mention that stock in it. So that's really cool if you want to, if you're interested in buying a stock in say Peloton because of everything that's going on and it's, and it's surged uh, and you want to have, and you want to see how they're doing and you want to read some articles about how they're doing, you can just pull up their Peloton uh, stock ticker and, and, and learn about it. So that's how I get a lot. That's how I'm learning more and more about the stock, the stock market, and, and investing and, and things like that is is through just reading more and more Market Watch articles and and uh, so let's jump into it. Let me grab. So the Dow is back over twenty thousand. It was under it for a little while yesterday. It rallied tremendously because of. Um, rumors or I guess I shouldn't really say rumors but it, it rallied tremendously and blew up because of um, people being very optimistic that a deal was going to get done and thankfully it did get done and we'll talk about that in a minute um, so it blew up and people were ecstatic a bunch of high performers let's see looking at some of um, 
some of the companies on this index that did super well. Chevron Corp, American Express, Boeing, McDonald's, United Technologies, Nike, Walt Disney, Visa Inc., Goldman Sachs, Home Depot, United Health Group, Exxon Mobil, 3M, JP Morgan, Cisco Systems, International Business Machine, Caterpillar, and Apple all went up uh, at least 10% just yesterday from the looks of it. So that is insane. The uh, Dow Jones in itself um, skyrocketed almost 12% going up over 2,000 points. So before yesterday, it was teetering. So all of Monday was teetering on um, going below 18,000 points. And with the, uh, with the rumors that we were going to reach a, a stimulus package deal yesterday, um, people were very optimistic and started buying up a lot of stocks. And that pushed us back over, back over 20,000. And we're currently, before markets open today, uh, we're at 20,704. So that's very nice to see. Uh, and I'm going to take a guess that with the stimulus deal uh, done, that it'll continue to go up. Probably at the end of the day, it'll probably end. It definitely won't end as nice as it did yesterday because yesterday was the biggest increase that we've had since um, climbing out of the Great Depression in 1933. But I would predict that we'll probably go up another thousand points. I would, I would think. We'll probably end tomorrow at probably 21,500 to uh, 22,000 is where I'm predicting will probably end today and today is uh, March 25th so all right so let's jump into so this other one uh, on market watch I'm looking at this article uh, lawmakers and White House agree to two trillion dollar coronavirus stimulus bill after marathon negotiation so these negotiations have been going on for what feels like forever Um, this is the, I believe the third time that this deal has gone to talks and votes and it finally went through. First one got shut down, second one got shut down, and then I believe this was the third one. So I guess there's time's charm on this deal. Uh, so beginning of the article, senior lawmakers and members of the Trump administration early Wednesday came to an agreement on a massive stimulus measure to keep Americans Americans whole as the economy shuts down due to the coronavirus. Um, White House officials said the measure will cost about $2 trillion. God, that's a lot of money. <laughs> How many zeros is that? It's like two and then like 13 zeros or something ridiculous. That's crazy. It's like just a number that you can't even like fathom in your head. You can't even like visualize that amount of money. I mean, geez, I have a hard time. I have a hard time visualizing ten thousand dollars. Like, how much that would look like in your hand, let alone two trillion. Uh, negotiators worked all day with Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin and incoming White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, shuttling between meetings, meetings with Republicans and then Democrats. The package includes direct deposits for all Americans. That's that uh, twelve hundred dollars that everyone has been talking about. Um, Three hundred and $67 billion for loans to small businesses and an unprecedented program that will allocate $500 billion to the Treasury Department. Some of that money will be used to guarantee a Federal Reserve loan program for small and medium-sized businesses. That's really good to hear. Larry Kudlow, director of the White House's National Economic Council, said the funds could be leveraged into $4 trillion of lending through the Fed. Wow, that's crazy. Most adults would receive direct payments of $1,200 while children would see $500 checks. So I'm guessing how that would work is I guess if you're married with two kids, you'd have two $1,200 checks and two $500 checks, if that, if I'm reading that correctly. Uh, hospitals, would, hospitals would receive some $150 billion under the deal and small businesses would get $367 billion in aid. And that's really cool that they kind of stress the small business part. I have no problems giving money to big corporations. I know that seems like a really um, unpopular opinion to have, but 
the way I kind of look at it as everyone everyone's talking about the the smaller man on the totem pole getting the money or getting like all of the money and leaving the big companies high and trying to kind of do to be left to their own devices and I kind of look at it as like this I'm like hey okay so yes they've made mistakes and and they're going to do stock buybacks they're going to have like slush funds and things like that and that's not always great I don't think you should do that you should like my my boss um, has went through multiple depressions he said he's been through three and he's got funds in reserve for times in need like this i think that a lot of companies especially big companies that are living on cloud nine don't have that kind of fallback and this really hurt them and instead of being kind of selfish about it and saying that they shouldn't get it and that it should be for the person who was a waitress making nine dollars an hour and then surviving off the tips she made she should be getting all the money while i do agree with that because they do need it more than the big companies but if you don't if you don't help the big companies and they fold what 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 uh what jobs are these people going to come back to like if you don't help mcdonald's even though they effed up and that they should kind of have to handle their own business if you just give money to the lower people flipping fries and flipping burgers and then McDonald's folds, where are those people going to go? So I kind of have to look at it on that side of the coin too. If we're going to help the smaller people, we do need to help the bigger people. Um, maybe not like in a one-to-one -one ratio. We should definitely help the smaller people a little bit more than the bigger companies. But I don't think that the bigger companies should be, should be hosed by any means. Because if that happens and, and some of them have to shut their doors for good or like even like even if they don't really get what they need and they have to shut like a, a majority of their locations, like that's still bad too. So um, I'm do I'm glad that they differentiated the small business part because that, that means that there's a little less uh, room for for lawmakers, specifically Republicans, to really just say, hey, we're just going to give this to businesses and then give it all to the bigger guys. I, I don't think that's how it should go. So I do like that, they, that they've that um, they kind of broken things down into small, medium, big um, on the size businesses. I'm not quite sure what they mean by that, but I mean, McDonald's isn't a small business. So um, that's a good way to look at it. I guess like bars and restaurants and like those local eateries and stuff, that's a small business. So I like that they've kind of allocated that. Um, and this is, this comes back to what I said earlier. The deal comes as President Trump uh, freshly warned of the impact on U.S. economy from the coronavirus and said he sought to have the country opened up by the April 12th Easter holiday. Economic activity has wound down dramatically across the nation as governors have ordered steps like mandatory closures of non-essential businesses. Governors, meanwhile, have pushed back on Trump's timeline as new coronavirus cases continue to rise. And I just, I don't know. They're rising, but at the same time, it's we're not seeing a massive increase in deaths. Like, this isn't killing people. And it sucks that people are getting sick, but I don't know. When, when, when you hear someone say, oh, it's a global pandemic, and then you tell them what their what the kill rate is, it's it's it just seems like we're kind of blowing a little bit of smoke about this. I'll, uh, I'll get more into that with the, with the Italy article, but uh, back to this one. Mnuchin, Mnuchin would be able to allocate some of the funds to companies damaged by the shutdown of the economy. He agreed, uh, being Mnuchin, Mnuchin agreed to Democrats' demands for more transparency, which is good. Uh, the negotiators agreed to a five-person panel to oversee the lending and an independent inspector general. The measures also include a major boost to unemployment insurance, allowing workers who are furloughed but not laid off to be paid their regular salaries for up to four months. Um, I'm not sure what that means, but I like the sound of it. Uh, the measure includes $367 billion in loans for small businesses. If the company don't make, if the companies don't make any change in pay, to payroll, these loans will be forgiven. Interesting. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi said the House could pass the bill quickly by unanimous consent. There is a risk that any member could object, which could lead to the need for a regular roll call vote. And I'm not. It sounds like both sides, and I. I wrote this on our 
um, the Shaped Ideas podcast Twitter page, um, I said that I think after the, I believe it was either the first or the second time that it got shot down, I I just said that I that people need to, that Democrats and Republicans, they just need to like come to an agreement and be like, all right, you get three things that, like Democrats get three things Republicans don't want, and Republicans get three things that Democrats don't want, and they just have to be okay with that. <laughs> I think that's, I felt like that's almost what needed to happen. It's like, all right, you get, it's like a tick for tag. You get something, I get something, and then the American people get a lot. So, like, we need to do this now because people are, like, people are really hard off. So, I think that's good. So, I think that'll get past, um, that'll get past no problem. So, uh, we'll, we'll stop that. Or we'll be done with that. Um. But yeah, so I think that's that's really all I wanted to talk about regarding regarding all this. It's uh, so I guess at this point with that, uh, get ready to collect your check. I guess I shouldn't really say collect. <laughs> get ready to see your your bank account, uh, twelve hundred dollars more. I'm interested to see how that'll work. Like, I've got two different banking accounts. Like, will each one get hit? Or like, I wonder how they're gonna do that. How, like. It'll be really interesting on how they're gonna <coughs> oh. sorry about the cough I, uh, I wonder how they're going to go about sending people money and verifying it I guess they'll probably just go off tax records because that's really I guess what they what they should probably go off of what you're claiming like who you're claiming and, and things like that it'll probably be that and then cross-referenced with something, probably um, population data or something like that. Um, yeah, it's been a busy, busy time in the uh, in the business world. That is for sure. Um, let's see. Let's. I'll do one little, one other little tidbit. Let's jump into it. If I can get it. To, there we go. So. I know I was just talking about Peloton earlier about uh, market watch. You can look up stock tickers like Peloton and, and things like that, or and, and other stock tickers to learn about them. Um, and I wanted I I like Peloton. I, I think it's a really good product. Um, I personally don't have one. I just think it's a good product. <laughs> it's um, I love cycling, so I, I like the idea of having kind of like a. A cycling class in my living room I think that just sounds really cool but at the same time that's just not something that would be for me right now I love lifting weights and I love running so having a stationary cycling bike that I would have to pay a monthly a monthly uh, fee to uh, to have classes I right now it's not really what I would need maybe when I start having kids and I don't have as much time to lift weights or run that would be better because then I can do it while they're playing in the living room or something like that. Uh, but let's jump into this article. Uh, it's from Barron's. And uh, Barron, what's kind of, there's a silver lining about this whole coronavirus pandemic. Uh, and the silver lining is you got to kind of look at the positives because even though we're kind of pulled into our apartments and holed up in our homes and, and we can't go outside or they're not letting us go outside or they don't want us to go outside, at least... Um, a lot of these like entertainment and media companies are accommodating like ESPN plus is putting out a bunch of stuff on their platform um, like Deontay Wilder or the, the Wilder Fury 2 fight that just happened like a month ago like not even a month ago is the whole fight card the main card and the undercard are on ESPN plus for free or as part of your subscription and I plan on watching that with way too many beers this weekend. I'm super excited. <laughs> so that's already on there. Um, like UFC Fight Pass is adding a bunch of stuff. Um, I think like a lot of the main streaming sites are starting to add stuff. I believe the CBS Sports app is starting is going to be playing a bunch of old, um, old famous NCAA like March Madness games for free to stream. ESPN, like ESPN as itself, they relaunched the Ocho for fun and like showed a bunch of crazy stuff on there. Um, and then on top of that, like the Washington Post is a 
letting out a bunch of free content that normally isn't free. Uh, Wall Street Journal is New York Times uh, and Barron's. Barron's is uh, allowing a lot of free, free articles as well, which is really cool. But I do have I do have a subscription to Barron's. It's just on my on my phone, so I can't look at it on my computer. But since this one's technically free, I can look at it. Uh, so back to the article. So Peloton stock soars as gyms close and home workouts spike. And um, this kind of caught my eye. One, because it was free. <laughs> and two, just because um, I like that Peloton's finally doing well. With gyms closed and many people stuck at home, investors are warming to shares of Peloton Interactive on the obvious theory that people will shift their workout spending on home-based options like Peloton's connected stationary bikes. Bank of America analyst Justin Post this morning repeated his buy rating and $36 price target on Peloton shares. And that's very high considering where they were. They opened up, I believe, at like $23 or $27 and it sunk down to like the the high teens and it kind of stayed there and it struggled to get over $20 a share and it finally did and um it rose up to like $30 a share at one point and then it dropped back down and Peloton's only been a publicly traded company for a handful of months they're one of the the unicorn uh technology companies like Uber and Lyft that have launched an IPO and, and not done very well. I think Uber still hasn't reached the height that they would like to or the price that they originally started at. I'm not sure, but they, they haven't been doing well. I don't believe Lyft has either. But I'm, the reason I bring up this article, I'm not really going to go over too much of it, um, but I'm a little nervous because I would love to buy stocks of Peloton just because I like the company and I like the product and they're launching more and more things like they have a treadmill and then I believe they've either launched or are working on launching a um, uh, like a rowing machine so I really like the company I like the marketing and, and everything like that but I have a hard time justifying buying this stock because I have this feeling that once this is over people will start to move back to gyms. And the other thing, I don't think people understand entirely um, fitness, like how people perceive fitness. They like to switch things up. They don't like to stay static. And I think for a lot of people, they'll use this, but they won't at the same time where they won't use it on the same scale as, as going to a gym or having a home gym to be a little more versatile. And I don't think, I think right now it's great and you should buy it. Uh, let me preface, not a financial analyst, so don't take, <laughs> don't take any serious uh, things that I say from this as, as uh, advice to what you should buy. Um, like I would personally buy some right now if I, if I really had the funds to do so, but I would definitely once once things like um, once they start talking about a cure and this starting to blow over America, I would immediately sell it. Just because they'll see Peloton as a company, they'll see a sharp rise in bikes and treadmills sold right now, and they'll see that probably going into quarter three. And then once quarter four and then quarter one of 2021 hit, they're probably going to see a significant drop off in products sold, but then also subscriptions. They're, they'll see probably a big spike in subscriptions canceled, uh, like coming into this December, going into January 2021. Um, I, I see that happening because people people will enjoy work like working from home, working out from home. And they'll use this for a while and then people are going to slowly get tired of it. It's going to get nicer outside. The gyms are going to open back up. And you know once the gyms open back up, they're going to want to bring as many people, if not more. So they're going to have a lot of deals and people are going to buy up on those deals. And I think this will kind of get left a little bit. And you'll still have your Ardman supporters who, who use it regardless. But I think a lot of people who are buying this just to pass the time, who have the money to buy it to pass the time, I think... Uh, I think you're going to see that decrease. 
because they'll they'll have just their their hard their hard people their hardcore hardcore fans um, using it, but the people who bought it to just pass the time who feel that it was a decent enough investment to have it during during this time of crisis and to use it on and off again. Um, I think you'll see that drop off sharply once this starts to blow over. Let's see, are we running? We're probably running up on time, uh, and we'll jump into this last article. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, so I only have a little bit of time to talk about this. That went over time. So let's. My last thing that I want to talk about, uh, section three. So this Bloomberg article, and uh, it's an interesting headline, and this is what caught my eye the most. Um, the headline is 99% of those who died from from virus had other illnesses, Italy says. Now that's enough to be like, wait, what? What's going on? Um, beginning of the article, more than 99% of Italy's coronavirus fatalities were people who suffered from previous medical conditions, according to a study by the country's national health authority. So this wasn't like some outside of the country like um, authority or company that's biased that did this study. It, it came from Italy's National Health Authority. Health authority. <coughs> I swear I don't have coronavirus. I swear. I'm <coughs> just clearing my throat. <coughs> so this came from the National Health Authority of Italy. This wasn't some third-party company or, or third-party authority third-party company that may have a bias or in it, um, a stake in how the results come out. This was this came from, and they may be biased, I, I don't know. I don't know a lot about Italy's uh, National Health Authority, but I'm just giving you a scope of kind of where this came from. It, it didn't come from somewhere that was ridiculously biased, you know what I mean? So... <clears throat> After deaths from the virus reached more than 2,500 with, with a 150% increase in the past week, health authorities have been combing through data to provide clues to help combat the spread of the disease. Prime Minister Guespi, uh, Giuseppe Conte's, Conte's government, eh, something like that, uh, is evaluating whether to extend a nationwide lockdown beyond the beginning of April. Daily La Stampa reported Wednesday, Italy has more than 31,500 confirmed cases of the illness. Damn, that is high. Um, they show a little pie chart. Italy coronavirus deaths by prior illness. 48.5% of the coronavirus deaths had three or more illnesses. Only 0.8% of the coronavirus deaths had no prior illnesses. Wow. The new study could provide insight into why Italy's death rate at about 8% of total infected people is higher than in other countries. The Rome-based Rome Institute has examined medical records from about 18% of the country's coronavirus fatalities finding that just three victims, or 0.8% of the total, had no previous pathology. Almost half of the victims suffered from at least three prior illnesses, and about a fourth had either one or two previous conditions. More than 75% had high blood pressure, about 35% had diabetes, and a third suffered from heart disease. So things that this thing kind of attacks. These were the people that were most susceptible to get to get this or to die from this if they got it. The threat of the elderly. I'm looking at another graph. This is a bar chart. Uh, the median age of the infected is 63 years old, but most of those who die are older. So the median age of those who die are 80.5 years old. Um, the average age of those who've died from the virus in Italy are 79 and a half. As of March 17th, 17 people under 50 had died from the disease. All of Italy's victims under 40 have been males with serious existing medical conditions. So they were already highly susceptible to either catch this or to already die from their existing medical condition. While data released Tuesday 
point to a slowdown in the increase in cases uh, with a 12.6% rise. A separate study shows Italy could be underestimating the real number of cases by testing only patients presenting symptoms. Well, I mean, you can't just... Like, Italy is the size of Arizona in terms of land, but it's got, like, an astronomically higher amount of people. The density in Italy is insane. According to the GIMBE Foundation, about 100,000 Italians have contracted the virus. Daily Il Sol 24 RA reported. That would bring back the country's death rate closer to a global, closer to the global average of a, of about two percent. So what they're saying is it's got a high. The reason that they have a high percentage of death rate, that eight percent that you saw or that I talked about. Uh, the reason that is is because there's probably more people infected that haven't either gone in and they're not dying. Okay, so that's the end of the article. So the reason I wanted to bring this up was for this reason and this reason alone. Um, just a couple of quick facts about Italy. Italy is one of the... Italy has a... I don't know how I should put this. But there's like three big things about Italy that has made it so susceptible. People are so confused. Why is this happening to Italy? It's so strange. Like they're the first country, first country in Europe to like really get it and it's blowing up. While on the other side of the coin you've got Germany who's like a hop and a skip away from Italy. And like the, the flu affected Germany worse than, than the coronavirus. So like people are so confused. Well, here's the thing. Italy has, Italy is one of the biggest countries that have multi-dimensional or multi-generational homes, meaning that there's people who contract this disease that will have it go through them and have no symptoms or they, they won't get sick from it. They live with people that are older. America doesn't have that. There's not a lot of families that have multi-generations in it meaning like you have a grandparent and then a parent and then a kid like you don't see a lot of homes like that anymore but in Italy it's very very common to live with grandparents or to live with your parents who are older so people who who got this that don't feel any symptoms they bring it home to their family and and that's how the elderly are getting sick and dying and they have one of the highest elderly populations in the world I think like their average I think the average age the average age in italy is like 60 years old and the death age is 80 for most cases so it's it's very close and then on top of that this disease attacks your respiratory it attacks your lungs and italy has one of the highest percentages of smokers in the world so italy is basically the highest susceptible country to get completely just bombarded with this and then tack on the fact that the italian government did not handle this well at all they they waited they didn't tell anybody and they really just let it run rampant in the hopes that like it would kind of go away instead of getting worse and it got so much worse and they were for then they were forced to be overly proactive about it shutting everything down and and that's kind of where Italy is right now. And I want to put that all in perspective. So even with the fact that they have one of the oldest populations in the world, they have one of the higher smoking percentages in the world, and they live in multi-generational homes where people who are getting sick that are young that won't die are giving it to people who are already sick will die. And it's still only eight percent and that's not including the other people that aren't dying that aren't in that statistic which would bring it down to more of the global average which is like two to three percent that just seems strange doesn't it that just seems fishy like everyone's saying that it's so bad and it is it is i'm not trying to downplay what's going on because in the elderly, it's very serious, and it's very painful for them. And for people who are already sick, it's very painful for them. But what I'm trying to put in perspective is this. You've got a country that's extremely dense. It has a large population of old people. 
And even with all that, with everything that I've already outlined, the high susceptibility that the people who are dying already have prior illnesses, and even when you don't factor in the other people that aren't going in to get tested, which would bring it down, even at that 8% kill rate, that's not even 1 in 10 people that are, that are dying from this. And the reason I bring that up is because it's very, when, when you think of a pandemic, I don't think of an 8% kill rate that hasn't, an 8% kill rate that hasn't even been factored in people who don't have cases. Like I was looking at another article yesterday that showed that showed Italy's stats of what's happened. 95% of cases have mild conditions. 95% of cases have mild conditions. Like when the last pandemic that you've heard of where the doctors have said, don't come in and get help, wait it out. Like that's just weird and that doesn't make any sense. I get I get it. Like I already know what people will say when it comes to this, that it's like it's bad, it's killing people, and yes, that is bad. It just seems a little overblown when the country most susceptible to it only sees an eight percent death rate on a when you look at it in the most arbitrary way to make that number be 8%, when you look at it like that and it's 8%, like that just, and people who are dying are already most likely going to die very soon from their, from their multiple other illnesses that they're fighting. It just seems a bit overblown. So that's just what I wanted to kind of leave, leave everyone with today. Um, stay safe. But at the same time, don't don't believe the hype that a lot of uh, media companies and a lot of your friends are going to give this thing. Um, really research these numbers. The fact that I don't even think the United States has hit a thousand deaths. I'm going to look that up right now. Coronavirus deaths. I don't even think we've hit a thousand. Let's see. If anything will load, because of course not. Why would it? Um, so, I just, just try and put it in perspective a little bit. Like everyone in the media, everyone's talking about how this is a global pandemic and that a lot of people are dying. But when you when you look at the numbers, People are getting sick and they're recovering. And then on top of that, the hospitals and doctors are telling people if you've got, like, if you're in a certain age bracket, we're not going to test you and that you should stay home. Like, it just seems a little, like we're blowing it a little out of proportions when we tell someone who's got this virus that it's a pandemic, but just stay home and drink tons of water. Like, it just, it seems... Like there's something more going on about about this so i just i wanted to leave you all with that um everyone have a great day uh thank you all so much for listening this has been the shaped ideas podcast you can get in touch with me um i love the feedback i haven't gotten any yet <laughs> but i love the feedback that i i hope to get soon um you can find you can find you can find the podcast on Twitter at Shaped Ideas. You can find it on Facebook at Shaped Ideas Podcast. Or, yeah. And um, on Instagram at Shaped, Instagram at Shaped Ideas Podcast. And then you can find, you can find this podcast if, if you want. <laughs> I don't even know how to say this. If you're listening to this, you found it. But you can find it on anchor.fm. Uh, you can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Breaker. Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and then finally, uh, the two new ones that I got up and running for podcast number three 
You can find it on Google Podcasts and Stitcher. And I'm trying to work on TuneIn. Uh, TuneIn's a little bit of a different beast, so I'm working on getting it on that one as well. Um, and then finally, I'll try and get it on Apple Podcasts, but it's not on Apple Podcasts yet. But So yeah, you can find them pretty much at this point wherever you get your podcast fix. Uh, you can find it. Uh, please feel free to reach out to me if you think that what I'm saying is a little bit off the rails or I'm as I, or I'm downplaying it too much as, as people die. Uh, I, I appreciate the feedback. I'd love to I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, I'm very much open to to what's going on. I've more, and more I'm doing more and more research about what's going on with this because I have flip flopped my thoughts about it multiple times i went from thinking that this was just a total screw job and that we were um, blowing this out of proportion and then when even my boss told me that i needed to work from home because this is a serious thing and working in downtown minneapolis seeing how everyone's staying home like oh god this may be way more serious than i ever thought let me do some research and i did and it is very serious it's it's killing a lot of people that shouldn't die that have like years left but at the same time, it's, I think the level of pandemonia that it's creating and, and it, how it's pushing the economy to a position where it may not be able to recover well for a long time, like we're flirting with a, another Great Depression. If we, if we keep it locked down as long as some analysts say we should keep it locked down, it will tank our economy to the point of where we will be in another Great Depression. And at that point, it's like, what did we save? Yeah, we saved a bunch of lives, but now we put ourselves in a depression where people can't eat, people can't afford the houses they live in, they can't afford the new apartments that they moved into, and then we have more people losing their jobs, losing their houses, more people on government subsidies, which will then tank the economy even more because they just put through a stimulus package. Like, there's a domino effect of what's going on. And... Sorry, I didn't mean to go back on a tangent. Maybe I can talk about it in the fourth in the fourth podcast episode if people want it or if I feel like I should. There'll definitely be more information about what's going on. So um, I'll leave that leave that there. Thank you all again so much for listening, and I will see you all and hear you all next time. Bye bye.